0: We are activating your unique self-discovery one show at a time. The Orchard of Wisdom Self-Discovery Podcast at your fingertips. Just waiting to inspire and invite you in discovering just how awesome you really are. And how to navigate through life in joy, enrichment, personal abundance, in mind, body, spirit, heart, and soul. All the people we bring you are here to serve you on your journey of life. Do enjoy our next show. good morning good afternoon and good evening everybody welcome back to another edition of an office case right here selfdiscoverymedia.com i'm your host sarah troy and my guest today all the way from the uk is charles christian and we're going to be talking about the will newton triangle where rather odd events have occurred. But we're also going to be talking about a number of other books that he's, uh, he's written, also his Weird Tales radio show. And we're going to be talking about uh, just the weirdness in the world. And believe me, England, UK, has a lot of wonderful weirdness. And it's all about, um, you know, the world of weird and unexplained and bizarre. And it's all about the the road trip around what he calls the World Newton Triangle, where rather odd events have occurred and unmatched anywhere else in Britain. He's going to talk about the werewolves, the zombies, the vampires, the green-skinned fairy folk, the headless ghosts, the screaming skulls, ancient warlords, and Parkin, the eating dragon, and so much more. We're in for a treat tonight. So we are going to go right back to to Charles. And Charles, I love this wonderful world that you live in. Um, I mean, very often (laughs) when we we look at the news and we look at what's going on in the world and we think that has to be weird and and fantasy, but you you do take it a step further and go into that world.
1: (laughs) I do indeed. I do indeed. Um, I suppose my interest is that um, a lot of the weird stories you hear in folklore, Mm -hmm. they all have somewhere deep down um an origin in fact. Yes. Um it's been lost over the centuries in many instances, but there is some source material for it, and I always uh, intrigued to know what that source is. And you know, it, you know, it's, it's an old cliche that um fact is stranger than fiction. Uh-huh. But um it really is in some instances, and uh, that these aren't tales that somebody a thousand years ago said let's tell a story about this that, that didn't work that way it was right. it was a tale somebody told and then it's got changed yeah. over time a bit like the joke about fishermen and how big was the fish you caught yes. and it gets bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger and it's 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 that it gets changed over and we're dealing with a time when people weren't literate things Mm. weren't written down it was oral traditions so it's very hard to find out what the origins of many of these tales were but there's other little bits of evidence that crop up and uh say oh that's a link that could be relevant i mean you mentioned in your intro if i can jump into one of the examples the parking eating dragon now parking for people who Aren't from the north of England, is a uh, gingerbread, but a spongy, Mm -hmm. treacly, Mm. sticky,
0: yummy with custard. Mm.
1: Exactly with (laughs) custard, yes. (laughs) And if you really, really don't care, custard and cream, but
2: uh... (laughs) opulence.
1: (laughs) Yes, but um, and there's a tale uh, told about a place called Filey, which is featured in my Well Newton book, and um, that has a big, long, stony headland called the Filey Brig, which is lots of rocks sticking out into the um, ocean, and the legend grew up that those rocks were the bones of a dragon, ah. and the story was the dragon was flying around doing what dragons do, setting fire to things and generally being a pest. And so the locals put out this huge bowl of parkin, and the dragon gobbled it all up and it's very sticky stuff and it found it got its jaws stuck together. (laughs) So it went into the water to try and soak it out and get it from between its teeth. No
0: flossing back then. (laughs) No flossing
1: back then. Well, you know, dragon's little hands, they probably couldn't do (laughs) the flossing. Yeah, exactly and uh then the while it was busy doing that the locals crept up and hit it over the head and killed it and that's why its bones are there (laughs) i know poor dragon and you think well you know that's obviously nonsense because we can look and see that those rocks are rocks they're not fossil bones it's not it's it's not some large dinosaur or anything there it's clearly a natural formation and geologists can probably tell you how it was formed Mm -hmm. but interestingly on that same bay Filey Bay further down there are some soft cliffs where bones of plesiosaurs which are a dinosaur a sea monster with a big long neck and to anybody finding them it would definitely fit the ticket of this must be a dragon's remains they have been found there Mm. And so, you know, jump back in history, and people are finding these uh apparent dragon bones there. They know nothing about dinosaurs and uh, paleontology and things like that. And so the story sort of gets mm. confabulated, and Philey Brig, the rocky outcrop, becomes another of these dragons. You know, there were dragons there. Mm. Um, but millions of years ago. And there's a strange rocky outcrop that the locals couldn't explain. So they put two and two together and they get four, whereas we wouldn't get four and we'd say, <laughs> no, that, that doesn't add up at all. And and that, that's sort of one of those intriguing elements about it, that there's always something there, no matter how far-fetched it might seem, that is the origin of a story.
0: I always I find actually, you know, in a world of of technology, in a world of such a, an incredible advancements, except for intellect, uh, we don't, we look to the past and the the fable tales as fake. When when you <clears throat> excuse me, when you think about it, in those days there was no other entertainment. Storytelling was it, you know, around mm. the fire, around the table, or whatever. And, as you said, things were always based in what they knew in fact, and who are we to say that there weren't such things in those times um were they all made up? as you said, they had to have some sort of basis in truth. I'm always one to believe more in the the magical of the fantasy of the myth of the mythical i for me, that is more tangible many of the time than even what we're seeing today. And I think that um, just because we don't see evidence of it today or it's not clear-cut or we're too busy, too loud, too bright to see anything, that doesn't mean Mm. that these things didn't exist or still don't exist in some form or other.
1: Yeah, And, and I mean, that is one of the things you get with the legends of some kind of hairy relation of the human race in america it's sasquatch mm-hmm. it's yeti elsewhere in um parts of europe it's the wild man um down here in my part of england um east anglia it's called a woodwose which is a form of wild man mm-hmm. and there's lots of carvings of these woodwoses on churches often holding up the font or over the doorway and again uh, we all say oh you know it's, it's all fiction but going back a thousand years when these things were carved people may well have been remembering what their ancestors yes. had told them and you don't have to go that far back not millions of years but thousands of years to the fact that we did have our cousins if you like um wandering around with us uh, you know mm-hmm. the the um neanderthal we now know um interbred with us homo sapiens mm-hmm. um we've now discovered that there's the denisovans um and that they also interbred with mm-hmm. us and them um we know that the uh, we're beginning to dis- realize that the human Um, evolutionary tree is a lot more complicated and it's not simply monkeys at one end and us at the other there's lots of cousins on the side a lot of which have become extinct but others maybe they are still there Mm -hmm. living in far-flung places living up in the Himalayas living in the woods of the American Northwest large areas where um as you were saying the noise and the light of modern life isn't available and i mean we had a story what 5 6 years ago of remains of a small species um found on an indonesian island of flores that they called um the hobbit
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it was three to uh, creatures 3 to 4 feet tall and they lived through until you know human times, ten thousand, fifteen thousand years ago. So they would have interrelated with us, and the natives on those island, that island, say they still exist. They just make a point of not crossing the paths of humans, not mingling. You're
0: not going to see yeah, them not down mingling. at the pub. <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
1: Keep, keep, keep keeping out of the way. Right. And, and well, no, I well, don't blame them. <laughs> And smart thing because yes. we tend to want to,
0: yeah, shoot them And stuff them if we find them. <laughs> yes.
1: you know, our solution to everything let's hunt it.
0: Yeah, and let's hunt it. Let's kill it. Let's like, dissect it and study it instead of just talk to it. <laughs> yes. And then yeah. we
1: say they're extinct, you know, now. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, I wonder the last why. One you <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Well, you yeah, we, we and, can be our own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and I say, it, 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 you know you can't just say oh it's it's a nonsense story
0: mm-hmm.
1: um there's an origin for it
0: yes
2: and
1: there's that question mark well they could possibly could still exist and same the wood woes, which is the local version round here there are still reports of people on lonely roads we're, again we're an area where There's lots of um, forests and things, Mm -hmm. people driving down lonely roads at night and seeing a hairy human-like creature running across the road in front of them and into the woods at the other side. And, you know, obviously some people probably making them up, but others, you know, are they seeing something? Are they finding, you know, having encounters with these relics of our ancestry that are still out there
0: um i'm probably going to go a bit weirder you know because i actually do believe that um uh i do believe in quote aliens um i think they did come to this planet to to make it its own and i think humans were kind of if not manufactured somehow produced maybe as you say through the mixing um mm. and uh, and that we're all descendants of that um and that's why, you know, we have, I think, kind of different spiritual intellects that, uh, that go through us all. Um, and I think this is why, you know, some people have such an affinity, maybe with the stars or with the land. You know, it's just that intunement to it, to everything. For me, I will believe in something until proven not, because yeah. for me, it's like, who am I to say it doesn't exist? In the thousands and thousands of years that the planet has been inhabited, uh, who are we to say it can't be real? Um, Mm. You know, in a world that didn't have much travel, didn't have the intrusion of other people from other countries, uh, didn't have satellite or (laughs) Google or anything else, you know, in that world. Who's to say that there weren't all these wonderful creatures that were descendants of, that they just simply died out? along the line, mm-hmm. and kind of leaving a trace behind here and there. Um, I find that, you know, we love to dismiss things without looking at the possibility of the truth in it, uh, you know, or going further back than what our eyes want to see, and going, but what about the beginning? You know, what about, mm. you know, even before the dinosaurs, what kind of other, were there humans around that? time? Were they actually humans, or were they other type humanite? creatures and I think if we're not willing to open our minds to possibilities and look at these things uh, we're denying a great deal of you know where we came from how we got here who we are today because we are constantly living this outside life instead of an inside life and I think if we could step into our entunement we would actually open up um, our spiritual intellect to actually understanding there's so much more out there than we can comprehend right Mm. now.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, um, you know, if there were
1: other creatures occupying this planet a long, long, long time ago, pre-dinosaurs, go back to you, um, there'd be no evidence of it because there's been such changes in the planet. You know, we know... That there were different continents and there were different shapes, and we know there were all these mass extinctions that went through history, right? Um, but all the changes, um, the stuff has been lost yeah. for millions and millions of years. The physical evidence has gone, um, you know, fossils except
0: for last... landmarks, you know, like you know, the, the pyramids, which actually interestingly enough had a wonderful guy on that discovered the bosnian pyramid which is one of the biggest in the world and discovered Mm. that these pyramids were placed around the world not to house the pharaohs, but actually as energy sources and Mm. that when they were all switched on they would actually extract energy from the universe to power the world but then something went wrong (laughs) so um We look at all those structures and we think, man built that? I don't think so. Not without help, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's those ruins that are being investigated in Turkey, Mm -hmm. the Gabeli, Mm -hmm. on the tip of my tongue.
0: Come to you.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Gabeli Tepe, I think, Tepe. Um, And they are about 10,000 years old Mm -hmm. and... They've got advanced, sophisticated carvings on them Mm -hmm. and a structure. And quite clearly, it was a ritual center, a temple. Mm -hmm. There's no sort of function. But the thing is, 10,000 years ago, uh, we were just coming out of the Ice Ages in Europe. And these people appear to have come from nowhere Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: built this advanced temple. Mm -hmm. You know, they're building that several thousand years if you go by conventional archaeology mm-hmm. they're building that several thousand years before the py- pyramids um and before tools also, were invented well before tools were invented and also they appeared to be able to support a large mm-hmm. community uh and that they had some form of agriculture mm-hmm. well again that comes you know we have sort of conventional history talks about the neolithic um, revolution and people started planting seeds and crops were growing and taming animals etc all of which takes time you can't just do that with a click of the fingers but these people appear to have suddenly appeared after an ice age with all these skills so that suggests that they had these skills prior to that and if you were going prior to the Ice Ages or the last Ice Age, that's taking you back 20 plus thousand years. Yes. Uh, which conventional historians and archaeologists will say, no, it doesn't happen. You know, this is this is how it goes. This is mm. this is the model. So um this tends to suggest even if they were humans, and let's just stick with the assumption that they were members of the same species as us. They had an advanced civilization before, yeah. uh, if you like, the conventional timelines. And then you start saying, well, you know, is this proof of the existence of places like Atlantis and mm-hmm. yep. higher civilizations yes. that would have been swept away by the ice ages mm-hmm. and water level changes and things? And there is uh, a theory that the um, Black Sea used to be dry and that one of the events of the Ice Ages was that the gap through the Bosphorus um, was cut through and the area was flooded. And certainly archaeologists are finding stuff down in the Black Sea. Well, there could have been another cradle of civilization, Mm -hmm. but one pre-Ice Age lurking there. And so all our views on history and what happened are all completely skewed. Yes. And you know, you you attack that. Well, how many other things that we've always been told by people this is the orthodox view? How many of those other things are also fake? Not fake, um, based on a false premise right. and something that something did happen before. And once you accept that, then you can accept that, you know, there may have been advanced civilizations before our current one. And there may have been other creatures, uh, intelligent beings occupying the earth and that, you know, the, the, they, they, were, they were lost 10,000, 20,000 years ago.
0: I believe so. That is definitely my belief. And I've interviewed a lot of conduit writers where literally all of it was written, just the channel through them. Uh, one was on Atlantis actually um, and how that came about and, um, and how actually from just being people from another source that was recognized because um, it was them and the earthlings, uh, how it came about that Antla- um, Atlantis sank but how then they will started being revered as gods elsewhere so mm. you know and let's face it that you know humans like godly type images mm. and so you know whether they came as gods or whether they were promoted to gods um, yeah. you know one doesn't know so but it's you know I think it's that um, I've always had a very open mind on all of this and I suppose it's because I've had too many experiences myself to deny them um, there, as you said there's all an the element of truth in anything but the werewolf Mm-hmm. Where, where does that come from? I mean, is there an, a speck of truth somewhere along the line? Is it because they got bit? Or is, what are we looking at there?
1: Right. Well, the werewolf is uh, a story in my Weird Wolves book. And uh, it's one I heard, first heard when I was a kid. And it was that there was a werewolf used to stalk a particular road And it first appeared in the Middle Ages and it was a shape-shifting werewolf in the sense of it was a human by day and then by night it turned into a wolf and led a wolf pack that would attack people. And the suggestion was by day it would mingle with crowds at markets and, and inns and learn who was going to be traveling along a particular lonesome road. And the geography of the area, the geography of the area was there was only one road you could go across mm. if you were to avoid the marshes okay. uh, or avoid going up a very steep hill. So it was a logical route people would take. And it would would lurk an attack. And I say there was actually an account in the 1960s of a lorry driver saying that his. Um, truck was attacked by this huge wolf-like creature. And he said that he was driving along this lonesome road and saw two orangey lights in the distance, which he assumed were the tail lights of a car. Mm-hmm. And he only when he got closer he realized it was the fiery eyes of a wolf coming towards him. Mm. And say that was the 1960s, but there were earlier tales of it and most of the original ones Go back to the Middle Ages. And this werewolf was called Old Stinker because <laughs> it had a putrid breath, because it ate on carrion and other unpleasant things. And it used to lurk around there. So I was intrigued because uh, it was on my home turf, you know, just a few miles from where I lived at the time. And werewolves are relatively rare in english folklore you mm-hmm. know they're they're a thing in european and in native american yep. north american yep. uh, cultures and even in the far east the japanese i think have
0: a, a and similar thing it, you can't say coincidence really can you if they're so if they're doc, you know documented so far around the world you know yes. this is just that fairy tale didn't reach around the world there has to be some truth in it
1: there has to be some truth in it and but i say it was just intriguing that there was this one outbreak there and what i found looking into it was the area was plagued by wolves in the you know we're talking the 10th century so you know before norman conquest and everything and it was so many wolves they would come off the uh Yorkshire Wolves, the hills in winter down into the valleys and uh attack people when the, the weather on the walls was too bleak and wintry mm-hmm. for them. And it was such a problem that a hostel was built and the ancient charter says you know so travelers don't risk being eaten by wolves. So ah. it clearly was a, a problem with right. wolves. Uh-huh. But The werewolf thing is 1066. We had in England the last Viking invasion
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and they landed in a number of places and eventually went to Stamford Bridge near York and had a battle with King Harold and were killed. However, one particular band landed in Scarborough, my old tramping ground, and burned the town down and then marched inland past this area where there are reports of the werewolf. So, you know, you are a Saxon peasant fearing for your life, and this bloodthirsty band of Vikings Mm -hmm. will pass. And as we know, if we've watched the television series and like, there's a type of Viking known as a berserker who would be hyped up on um alcohol and um plant-based drugs and things psyched themselves up that they were fearless killing machines and they would rush into battle not wearing armor wearing swinging huge swords or axes uh clad in the skins of either bears or wolves yeah and the leader of them um a character called uh Tostig, I think his name was. No, Harold Hardrada. Harold Hardrada, he was the leader of this band. He was a berserker. And you imagine you're a Saxon peasant fearing for your life, peering out from the woods somewhere or um, hidden in a barn. And you see these blood splattered people going past wearing um, wolf skins and bear skins. (laughs) Now, are they half bear and half man or are they a man in a bear skin or is it some kind of mixture? And, you know, werewolf means half man, half, you know, uh, half wolf. And it just, it, again, was this the coincidence that Mm. triggered it all off and started it, that there was a source um, of, an ex, a, you know, an understandable source that, that was then, you know, these terrible creatures, these werewolves were running around. Right. You know, did, it, did it come from there? I mean.
0: And I suppose if somebody started exhibiting berserky type attitude, they'll think they, they must have been bitten by the werewolf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because,
1: so, yeah. uh, I mean, a lot of, lot of our werewolf lore actually comes from um, movie, movies in the 1930s, yeah. the Werewolf of London and the Wolfman, um, and they were the ones that started the idea that if you shot a werewolf with a silver bullet, mm-hmm. it would return to the human form it was previously. Whereas in earlier times, they didn't have that. Idea right. of shooting them with silver. You know, they, the Germans were obsessed with werewolves, and while it, while everybody else was hanging or burning witches, the the Germans were were obsessed with um, finding werewolves, and they just regarded them as uh, monsters that you had to hack to death with whatever was suitable for hacking to death a large monster. Um, so, you know we've got sort of a slightly glamorised idea mm-hmm. of them in recent times. You know, it's a bit like vampire tales. Yes. Um, yes. A lot of it, you know, it's it's uh, Bram Stoker and uh, mm-hmm. Dracula is the one that is the source material and, you know, wearing the, and, and the initial movie versions, wearing the dinner jacket and the white tie and the, and the uh, cape and things. Um you know it's it's you know and, and that has now become, if you like, the accepted norm. But yeah. prior to that, they were seen as something different.
0: Have you got a favorite Dracula movie? Oh, I I think
1: probably that one, um Dracula A.D. 1972, which was About the last of them, but it actually has... um,
0: Christopher Lee?
1: Christopher Lee as Dracula and Peter Cushing as Van Helsing's Mm -hmm. descendant. And it's set in swinging London. And (laughs) so, uh, you know... (laughs) Bunch of swinging guys say, Hey, won't it be fun if we try and raise a vampire? And lo, they do. It all ends in tears.
0: I remember being a kid, uh, my mum would go to drama, I'd be left at home, and you know, no remote at that time. And a lot of the TV was still black and white. And I remember watching a Dracula in black and white, and somehow because of the lighting, it was always so much scary. And then when somebody melted, they managed to make it look, you know, really. And I'd be by the TV switch channels when it got too scary and then come back again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, but it was Gary Oldman, isn't it, that did um, that one, was it in the 90s? Um, Jessica, I yes. think uh, Grey Stokes' Dracula or something like that, which was quite a good one.
1: Bram, uh, Bram, yeah, Stokes?
0: Bram, Bram Stokes?
1: Bram Stoker's Dracula right. I think is the full title. Right. It was not quite, but yes, uh, that that was that was a very good one on that one. Um,
0: and then of course yeah. you've got vampire diaries and all of that. And of course the twilight things. And, you know, I mean, obviously I think, uh, I think the reason why these movies and things are always so, you know, um popular is that there is just that little question mark at the back of the head. Could this be real? Could this be real? Hmm. You know? And I think that is why people are drawn to it. What if, what if, and then or the fantasy that, well, I could live forever. just suck people's blood (laughs) like Mm, like, why would mm. you want to but you know um it's all there right isn't it We, we we love the fantasy of it um because sometimes our own reality um kind of sucks and so we like going into the fantasy of it because it seems to be based in something potentially real
1: yes and it's the escapism yeah escaping from the mundane life we're living and we're doing something just exciting and yeah.
0: different. Yeah. Yes. Now. because yes, myst- I mean, no,
1: no, nobody ever wants to become um, Frankenstein's monster no. or the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> I and,
0: and I walk think, around uh, Jean, in
1: bandages yeah, yeah, or. Yeah, Gene Wilder's
0: Frankenstein was perfect. Um, yes. y- that was just a, you know such a good one. Um, uh, the mysterious. Uh, World Newton Triangle. What is Mm -hmm. that? Where is that? Let's talk about that a bit.
1: Right. Well, uh, this again is um, going back to my youth. And as was the fashion in the 1950s, when I was growing up, you got taken out by your parents in the family car and you'd go on an outing somewhere, Mm -hmm. um, end up at a stately home and hear the stories and have tea and cakes and come home. And I sort of soaked up all these stories from this area and say the Woll Newton Triangle is a part of East Yorkshire. It's uh, south of Scarborough and north of Hull. And it's a rural area and very sparsely populated and still relatively sparsely populated, And I spent a lot of time going round there and picking up these stories and realised there was just this wealth of material Mm. out there that people didn't appear to know about. And I just thought it was intriguing and worthy of encapsulating and looking at the area. um, There's a big headland called Flamborough Head that sticks out into the sea and two sides of the triangle are the headland and there's a road that cuts through it. And most of the activity is between the road and that headland. And so lo and behold, we have a triangle. And mm. if you're going to describe an area, um, a triangle always sounds interesting. Yes, And it just seemed to be everything was happening there. And In
0: the triangle.
1: Within this triangle mm-hmm. area. Um the, the werewolf I mentioned—he's at the top end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other stories you mentioned uh, also feature in there, and Wool Newton is a little small village um, in the middle of it, and its claim to fame was in the 1790s. What was then the largest meteorite ever to land Mm. on in England crashed down on the ground there in on a Sunday afternoon and was well publicized because it fell on a uh, property belonging to a sort of classic uh, Regency era rake sort of hunting shooting type person. Mm -hmm. And he took it off down to London and charged people <laughs> a penny a time to see it in a in somewhere on on Pall Mall or Piccadilly. How,
0: how big was it?
1: Uh, I think it was fifty six pounds, um, oh. so it's quite a big one. Right. Um, you can still find it in the Science Museum, and it was a metallic one, and it sort of obviously would have lost a lot burning off, but. It was a rare one because it didn't land in the sea or somewhere where nobody's about. Right, you know, There was some poor farm labourer working and it came crashing down near him. And, you know, he saw the impact in the ground and said, you know, when it landed, he could feel the warmth coming from it, the heat mm. coming from it. And so that sort of just, I found, you know, a sort of a a, a focal point for it. And mm. the, you know, we're talking about uh, energy from yes. pyramids mm-hmm. there are a number of ley lines running through this mm-hmm. area and you know was it attracted by the energy of the yes. ley line mm-hmm. um, it's it's also being picked up um, by Philip Jose Farmer who was a uh, science fiction writer and in the 1970s he was writing Um, quote-unquote biographies of fictional characters including Tarzan Mm -hmm. and he built up this story that Tarzan's immediate ancestors and a lot of other what we'd now call superheroes they were all people who were riding in a stagecoach nearby when this meteorite crashed and they were exposed to radiation, which gave them superpowers. Right. And so he's got, you know, an ancestor, not just of Tarzan, yes. but of Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. is in there. Lots of other villains. He's even got Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice. Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did he become a superhero? His is making women <laughs> <Right>. women faint.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. That was, what is your superpower? I make women
2: faint. <laughs> <laughs> <You know>. mm, <laughs> bit limited. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Full I suppose if you were a
1: dentist or something, <laughs> you might be able to use it. It is a bit limited. And uh, I say that was it. So I, again, I thought well, that's intriguing that this this guy mm. writing in the states found that it, it found that interesting. And you know, the more I scraped, the more odd stories I found, mm. and um, it just just intrigued me. And I say... The, at a place called Rudston, there is the largest standing stone in the United Kingdom. It's taller than any of the stones Stonehenge. at oh, really? Stonehenge.
0: And there before Stonehenge? Um about the same
1: time. Okay. About the same time. And it's now incongruously right next to a church. Mm. Uh, the Christians doing the thing of well, this is where the pagans used to come and pray. uh, We'll just take over the site. And Mm. they initially stuck a cross on the top of it and um, put it next to the church and told everybody, oh, this was just an attempt by the devil to throw a stone at the church and destroy it. But (laughs) Christianity um, survived and was more powerful. So um, this goes to prove we are the top religion and come to church next Sunday, please. And... (laughs) Uh, you know, but but when that was set up, um, the area would have been a lot clearer. The stone would mm. have been brighter. Yeah. It would have stood out like a huge monument. Right. And again, digging into it, there were, it was clearly some form of sacred landscape mm. because there's an awful lot of uh, burial mounds, barrows, or tumuli around that area, far more than the population would apparently yeah. command.
0: Right.
1: A lot of them have lost, are lost now due to farming, but there are still some very big ones, and they've been excavated, and The what's been found suggests they were clearly um, you know, prominent individuals mm-hmm. um, who were being buried there. Uh, there's lots of earthworks Um, called circuses which people thought they used to race chariots around but it's now thought that it was some kind of area where young men would do rites of passage rites of rituals throwing spears and firing Mm. arrows and things so there was clearly a lot of fascination in this area that it was you know some kind of magical area to all the people um living it at that time and in that area you know the hot spot
0: uh, right and of course the triangle yeah the triangle is always considered unbreakable so um i mean obviously stone must be another one of those spots um, yeah. um but um i'm sure they're scattered all over england in some form or other
1: yeah there there's a lot of legends about um stone circles Mm -hmm. and um, standing stones and what powers they've got. And obviously uh, it's a belief that it's at certain times of the year, it may be a multidimensional portal that beings from elsewhere can come into our world and that we can accidentally go into their world, Mm -hmm. you know, rather like the, Legends about um uh, fairy circles um yes. where you know with with made of mushrooms you know there's a mm. lot of folklore says you don't go and stand in one of those um because you will go into another dimension of fairyland and uh, you and and the fairies
0: are um they do exist i have seen them um and and there's also different types of fairies oh god what is the author um i have it here somewhere bron something it did a beautiful book on um on fairies and the characteristics he drew them but also drew them in the image they wanted to be seen in and the characteristics of what they were and mm. it, it's absolutely beautiful and on all my books i've got here do i have it anywhere I do. It's somewhere over there. But it is. And just the explanation and the characteristics of each fairy. And fairies will not allow you to see them unless they've deemed worthy for you to see mm. them. Um, yes. so, and there's a lot of spots um, that I've come across in my life where I have seen them. Um, and it's a, there's always a reason behind it. Like if they want to be seen, they want to be seen. It's a message that they want you to get through. But fairies, I most certainly do believe in. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well what well, I say, the there is a um story about one of the larger um burial mounds called Wiley or Willie Howe, which now unfortunately having had about a thousand years of um unauthorized treasure hunters looking for yeah. buried gold is looks more like a volcano crater. But um, there's a number of tales told of that, about, you know, men encountering fairies on the top and Mm -hmm. um, taking, being trusted by them. And then, as is the case, usually getting greedy and abusing their trust and then having nothing What, men get greedy?
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Humans get greedy, yeah, yeah. And abusing their trust. Yeah. And there's 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 a tale about a farmer who was riding home one night and he could see lights coming out of it and he went there and was invited in. And this is a medieval type tale and uh, was offered something to drink and he was wise enough to know that if he accepted fairy food or drink, he'd be beholden to them and that something unfortunate might happen to him. So he wisely waited till no one was looking then tipped the contents of the drinking goblet onto the floor put it in his pocket and scurried away hopped on his horse and escaped and he successfully escaped and he gave it to the lord of the manor and eventually ended up with the king of England who gave it to the king of Scotland and there's sort of references to Mm -hmm. it being in the Scottish treasure And so, you know, more likely was uh, some kind of ancient goblet that had been found, perhaps made of, um, uh, not jade, um, amber or something Mm -hmm. of that nature, an odd material. But again, um, it's just reinforcing this idea of this belief that, a fairy world exists, and that they've got some form of parallel existence to mm-hmm. us, and uh, they're there, you know. So, it, do you
0: believe in multiple dimensions?
1: I'm coming round to mm-hmm. that belief that um, there, that because there are so many tales mm-hmm. of people having these encounters at places that we nowadays call a portal um and i think the analogy i've like heard it from somebody else is it's rather as if you are living in a tower block and you there are people living below you and there are people living above you and you never actually meet them, but you mm-hmm. hear their music drifting through, and you hear their uh footsteps moving around, and they're sort of living parallel existences to you. Mm-hmm. And is that what we are seeing with the Faye and um uh, Sasquatches mm-hmm. and the like?
0: Yeah. They're, the, b- they're level bleeding level through. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: they're bleeding through. And likewise, um, aliens, ETs, whatever. They are also, they're the people on the floor upstairs that uh, make, you know, there's a lot of noise coming from them and occasionally see their flashing lights outside, but they're, they're there. And I mean, um, you know, it's, it's, it, what, what's also interesting is that tales of fairies were very much the thing for a very long time but from the 1950s onwards tales of fairy encounters tend to drop and people are starting to have encounters with aliens and mm. abductions and ufo's and things of that nature and you know are they actually the same creatures are they are they the, the you know um Victorian areas, fairies are just a different
0: interpretation.
1: Yeah, different interpretation. And I mean, some of the descriptions of them sound similar. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the experiences people have, particularly this strange time distortion, whereby if you are in their world, time either goes a lot faster or a lot slower. And you have these endless tales of the Fae. Of people thinking they've only been gone for yes. 24 hours and when they come back years have gone past um,
0: and the other way around too where you yes. you've completely been somewhere gone for a long time and come back and well no you you just shut your eyes you know and yeah. it's no time at all um i very much do believe in dimensions a bit of a dimensional travel myself and people think you could do it physically you don't uh, it it is that out-of-body experience and you are elsewhere it, having a complete life it's like you step into that life on the other side and I've had some wonderful experiences and seen some wonderful places that I know are not here and um, mm. I'm even a different person over there than I am here and it's a uh, I think it's a uh, for us to think that we are you know, a, the only planet with life on it, or that there is only one layer to us. You know, and everything is mm-hmm. linear. You know, for me is uh, not something I'm willing to believe in or will believe in because I think we are multifaceted and there are multi dimensions and there are so many different levels that we're only scratching on. We're only beginning yes. to understand. And unfortunately, human nature, whether either by design or, or just by history, we're sceptic of everything. And it's prove it, prove it, prove it. And if you're willing to experience, you will have experiences that uh, won't seem so fantastical uh, because you've allowed. But this scepticism that we look at everything with is not allowing us to open up to the possibilities of what else is out there.
1: I think that is very, very true. And I mean, one of the issues, I think, is um, modern science Mm. Uh, modern scientists have become very orthodox in their thinking because they want tenure, they want reputation. And if they publicly say they are interested in something in uh, what we might broadly call the paranormal, that will damage their reputation and credibility. So they don't do it. I mean, if you go back to the Victorian era when the Society for Psychical Research was first starting, um, that was looking into ghosts, poltergeists, uh, Mm -hmm. spirit mediums and the like. But although it quite clearly included a lot of believers in it, there were also straightforward Victorian scientists who, you know, made their name inventing chemicals or mechanical processes and stuff. You know, these were straightforward people, but they were prepared to make the jump. And yes. they were open-minded enough to say, yeah. well, let's look into it. There's so many reports of it. Let's look into it. Yeah. And I think this is it, that there, there are so many reports of, for want of a better word, paranormal experiences. Mm-hmm. That you can't just say, oh, just... That we, people
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, with, with silly ideas yes. there 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 are so many and people who in some instances um you have to say they are quite unimaginative
2: yeah
1: you know they're not fanciful by nature but they are having them and yeah. when somebody like that happens well there must be something that happened to them and yes. you know, yes. it, it's rather yes. like the Project Blue Book and all the various mm. um, investigations into UFO sightings. Um, yes, there are an awful lot that are satellites, um, aerial uh, uh, aircraft or um, meteorological balloons, but there's still this percentage that can't be explained right. and no one knows what they are. And all the sort of recent stuff the US Navy has been reporting about these little uh, objects flying around, they can't explain what they are. They can explain some of them that it's a radar fault and that it's this and it's that and the other, but there's still still stuff that they can't explain what it is. Um, And you've
0: got too many now, if you know, people with a you know phone on the camera that can capture things and when you've got something zigzagging going up and down and twirling up in the sky you know that the yeah. plane can't do that uh, mm. you know it can't be a balloon it can't do that you can't blame this on yeah. some sort of satellite thing and so yeah. you know again to think we're alone in the universe i think is rather arrogant and ignorant
1: yeah 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 what about the theory um that ufos may actually be um time travelers from the future
0: oh absolutely i i actually think that um we are in a lot of ways an experiment experiment for uh for entities that do not have a physical body so having the physical mm-hmm. experience um i also think it is um you know we're this is a school a lot of people don't make it past kindergarten that's why they keep coming back and again and again and again until they can graduate and that is to uh be the spirit having a human life not a human life trying to be spiritual um and um i think there are a great deal of those entities over there that do take human form um Mm. and we i do believe in the next while because we're at that crutch in society that if we do not change our ways uh, we are going to damage this earth beyond uh, beyond reason, and we're going to see our own extinction uh, or we're yeah. going to blow up the world, which will have a horrible ripple effect you know yeah. out in the universe it's also you've got to look at every single energy signature that we have is mm. conglomerately together creating an orchestra, and it needs to be harmonious for the equilibrium of the planet and the ricoch- of the universe. And so I think every single ingredient, a creature, every living thing, and that includes all of nature and everything, has a signature, and it's an important signature to stay on the positive side and in order to benefit us all. You're in a room of people that are negative or that are angry. You know, what happens? You feel suppressed. You feel crushed. When you're around people that are uplifting and positive and inquisitive, then you have enlightenment and you have an exploration and wonderment and it raises people's frequency up i think we're very governed by that frequency and we've kind of gone below what we need to do to kind of keep this earth in an equilibrium and we need to change because that frequency must match the universe in order for us to stay in orbit so to speak mm, mm. there's a far for out cert- one for you <laughs> no no i mean cer- cer-
1: certainly we we are heading on a course which yeah. is um, going to damage the planet yes. irreparably yes. and possibly already has damaged the right. planet. Right. Can we
0: turn it back now when we're looking yeah. at Yeah. And,
1: know? you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, mass extinctions of various creatures yes. that were around, you know, the dinosaurs mm-hmm. were around for millions of years and then almost overnight went yes. well. Were turned into chickens as yep. they right. um, <laughs> devolved to, um, you know. There's 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 no sort of sanctity of life, no going on, and um, you know it, it. You know, takes us back to where we were as well. Were there previous civilizations that also wiped themselves out?
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: And, and but
0: but the problem with this time. We have things like nuclear that can do, you know, our technology can advance us forward or it can completely destroy us. Mm. And, you know, where we haven't had that before that we know of, there's been no evidence of, we do have that now. And I think this is why we are more of a threat and a concern to the universal energies than ever before. And I think we're going to see an intervention. I think the intervention is already going on. and That's why people are having more and more sightings. More and more people are traveling dimensionally. More and more people are waking up to higher planes of frequency. So I think the, it's already happening. But I think we're going to see that exponentially increase yeah. even more because we can't do this alone. We've, we've, um, we've bought into the wrong mindset and yes. it, and it's destroying us so you know we have to we have to change and that change will be forced on us one way or other yeah it's it's interesting yeah. times I you know i always think that whatever has been has a significance as what is and what will mm. be so you know the triangle um what we know i mean from you know, the triangle type images of the pyramid. And with that Bosnian pyramid, apparently a whole lot of Russian scientists took the complete dimensions of that pyramid and took about it and created their own. And they said anything in that pyramid generated energy and became very healing because it changes the the energy structure within the person. The Bosnian pyramids a lot of people it's used for healing because of that. Um, we are all energy. Every single one of us is made up from a frequency. Mm. And when that frequency is in harmony with each other, we are in health and we're in open-mindedness, we're in open-heartedness. When we block that energy, that's when we go into illness, dis-ease, when we go into despondency, depression, anger, or, or everything else. So that rhythm of life and harmony of life is so important. And very often we really need to look Beyond the past, you know, not the recent past, but the past past to learn on how we can actually, you know, balance ourselves out um, for the future. Don't dismiss things. Yes, it's probably been made into a fairy tale, but there are always origins to something. with Mm. the werewolves it's a human observation of these people with these wolf things running through the town ripping people apart i could see where that came from but we do have ghosts they are just energy Mm. signatures of people that are still behind and they can show themselves sometimes not for very long because it takes a lot of energy to do you mostly feel them then see them and i do believe the aliens are there uh, and have always been here and you know kind of they're almost scared to come down here right now. Are they going to get dissected and everything else? You know, we've come in peace. Oh, let's chop and <laughs> you know? So um, I think yeah, with so everything I saw... we see, there's, there's a truth to something. There's a, there's a seed yes. of truth to everything.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: So, yes, it, I, I mean, that. the triangle is really, really interesting. Um, and you've got a book on that. Which you know, I have indeed, which goes all the way through that. And it and, does
1: indeed. I'll be holding up to the camera
0: there. Right. Um,
1: and it's called The Mysterious Wolf Newton Triangle Wraiths, Werewolves, and Other Weird Tales from the Yorkshire Wolves.
0: And then you've also got it Creating Imaginary Worlds. What is that about?
1: That is a book I wrote quite a few years ago now, but it's now available in paperback. It was previously only available on Kindle. And that is for writers who are interested in fantasy, science fiction, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) speculative fiction,
2: (laughs) and it's
1: how to make your story plausible and to avoid its, you know, twelve basic tips mm. of things to do. Um, from I read an awful lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. and I encounter these sort of, if you like, failings people have. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, if only you'd done that, it would have been so much better. And so haven't done that, so it's just little tips and trips
2: mm-hmm. how
1: to make your world, uh, your fantasy believable, world believable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, a lot of male writers, back to male writers again, but um, they get obsessed with the gadgets. Yes. And, and the people are just like wooden clothes. Right. And they don't have human emotions. They're right. Just sort of that. So
0: where's them. the connection then? You know, without that human uh, exactly. connection, it doesn't matter what the gadgets are. You I know, mean, we, when we read, we want to connect to the this you know the person in the book that's we want to feel them
1: yeah you want to feel whether you want the protagonist the hero or the heroine to survive what you don't want is halfway through saying oh you know take her you know yes (laughs) at the stake we don't (laughs) care she deserves it (laughs) and and you know, and it's the same with the villains. Um, very often the villains are just caricatures. Yeah. And, you know, your villains need a backstory. Why are they like that? Right. You know, why are they evil? What was the source of it? Yes. And, uh, and on
0: also from the human nature, can we turn them around? Or are they yeah. just now pure evil, right? So, yeah. Yeah.
1: you know, It's to stop them being cliches. Yes. And to, you know, just, just avoid little tips and trips like that. And to, I say not get carried away with the gadgets or yeah yeah my brother's picture.
0: just written a book on that where you know a, a, a kind of a, a youth genre of outer space saving the world and all of that type of thing but one of his books that really fascinated me was the repercussions of Thomas D and it's a young teenager talking on the phone to his girlfriend and he goes through a wormhole ends up in the 40s during a bombing yeah. raid and uh gets thrown into jail which i can't remember why but he there's somebody else there and he talks to him and he reveals everything about the future and his phone and everything and uh, unbeknownst to him the guy was a double agent working for hitler so it changes completely who won the war and everything else and how life would be now if they had and so you know it's just i love it when the coin flips and we get to see something from a different angle and a different perspective. I think yes. that's really, really intriguing and I love that type of thing. Now you have another book here, Shuckland.
1: Yes, Shuckland, um, that's, uh, uh, that's very much the same idea as the um, World Newton Triangle, but it's set down here in Um, the east of England on the Waveney Valley which is between the counties of Norfolk and Suffolk and it's of the folklore on this area um, where I live and it follows the river and the tales from the start of the river down to the sea and it's called Shuckland because the big legend round here is Black Shuck, the demon dog uh, that according to legend, appeared in a church in the 16th century, running up and down the aisle, killing people right, left and centre, and then disappeared in a clap of thunder and appeared at another church about 20 miles away doing the same thing. Mm. And uh, everything is Black Shuck oriented around here. Right, right. So Shuckland was the obvious name to call it. And again it's the same thing it's all the all the tales and linking them together and the stories and uh, how they all hold together
0: i mean it's fascinating that it's you know there may be fantastical type stories but they're always based on some sort of origin or something but it's also you you're sharing a history that in folklore folklore has been lost you know Mm. the youngsters of today aren't really interested in that you know, it's mm-hmm. the, it is the modern gadget. It is, you know, what else they can have in the world. I'm having something that still captures, you know, the the wonders of the past, and why things are the way they are, uh, what went on there, I'm inviting an intrigue in, you yeah. know, of the youth of today or anybody of today to look at it and understand that everything that we have today came from the past, one yeah. way or the other. And if you actually really do understand the past and why those things are those things, it helps you actually understand our own evolution as to where we are today and we don't want to lose that history we don't want to lose those folk tales you know we it's oh. we we this idea of modern world is almost leaving everything like that behind and, and embracing the technology and almost the characters in our own book have become more tech than it has character right
1: yes yeah yeah yes it's 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 going back to um you know, uh, 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 possibly a simpler life, but it's to straightforward the storytelling, the mm-hmm. tales that people told in the past. Um, where did they get their ideas from? Um, and that's essentially folklore. It's, yeah. um, it's storytelling. And, yes. and,
0: and that's been going on since the beginning of time, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. And hopefully we'll still, get, still <laughs> yes. go on. But yes. uh, I say, some of these tales need um retelling and slightly repackaging right because uh there is a danger again the dreaded academics get in there and folklore becomes very serious and you've got to follow very dour dour.
0: there's no
1: there's no fun in it
0: right it's the it's the
1: sense of fun i think that uh, yeah needs needs to be brought back
0: i mean i'm always saying that um if you haven't got wonderment in your life, what have you got? I mean, life is to be explored. I wonder this, mm. I wonder that, you know, willing to go on the adventure, whether it's intellectually, physically, emotionally, spiritually, just be willing to live in that wonderment. Because if, you know, complacency is a killer and, you know, ah, oh, I don't need to know, why should I need to mm. know? Well, how do you know what you need to know from it unless you're willing to read it, experience it, do it? You know, It will reveal itself what you need to know through yes. your actions so and i think um yeah complacency is something um or ab- you know abstaining from experiencing life in any way and i think yeah. the more we know about the th- anything of the past the more it opens up the possibilities or the intrigue for the future and the present that we live in
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: no definitely definitely so, um,
0: what drew you right in the beginning to write these things? when well, you know did you decide that there wasn't any representation out there, and you wanted to be that representation? Um,
1: um I think it was going back to my childhood. Um, we, you know, growing up in England in the nineteen fifties, television wasn't as pervasive as it is now. you right. you know, pack up at half past ten or something, and. We lived in a fairly spooky old house by the harbourside in Scarborough. And over Christmas and winter times, you know, relatives would come round and we'd all sit round the fire and uh, people would tell ghost stories, mm-hmm. you know, about things that had happened to them and encounters yes. they'd had. So yes. I sort of grew up with right.
0: that, yeah.
1: if you like, um, oral storytelling Mm -hmm. and my family were big book readers Mm -hmm. so I read lots of books and you know all the ghost paperbacks of ghost stories and horror stories were Mm -hmm. sort of coming out then and um, uh, affordable on my pocket money and things and I was just intrigued by it and then as happens with a lot of people you know the day job gets in the way and you've got to earn yourself a living somehow and um, so I drifted away from it And then I was lucky enough to be in a position that I could return to it and, Mm. you know, realise that was my first love, if you like, and um, writing about it. And, you know, the old cliché is write about what you know. Well, I know about the folklore of Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, the the, the, uh, East Riding, and I know about the folklore down here. And Mm -hmm. um, it it followed on from that, really. And, 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 you know...
0: timeless book for anybody at any time and pretty well any age obviously more teens up um but i think the more that people open up to where that folklore started the more i think they start to question other things and the more you Mm. question the more you wonder and the more intrigued you are in that discovery right and i think more it propels you forward so you know they sound like great books to to open up that mind of what else is out there that yeah. we don't know about because if, if we just dismiss it then we, it goes by the way of the ice age and we don't want to lose that we don't want to lose all that history there because there was a reason for that history and the reason like the triangle is still there that triangle's yes. energy and and everything else that they recognised the triangle to be is still there yeah. so you know it's uh, paying attention to other triangles in the world um, where we police it ourselves it is.
1: Mm-hmm. it is it is it is
0: So how do people get hold of your book and how do they get hold of you?
1: Right. You can get all my books on Amazon um, and you can get some of them in bookshops. But for your listeners and viewers, Amazon is the best place, Mm -hmm. both UK and .com. And they're available both in print and in Um, kindle digital format and uh, I say you can find me as Charles Christian as um, I've got an author page on Amazon Um, but elsewhere you can find me via my website which is www.urbanfantasist.com and um, that's got links to Amazon and the books and everything I'm doing And I'm now, I used to do a podcast, I've stopped doing that, but I'm now doing short videos, which you can find on YouTube, but again, they're linked from the website. So you can find everything about me on the website and, uh, you know, take it on from there.
0: The moral of the story is folks be inquisitive, not just what's going on now, but what has been, because that is, you know, part of our decision making of what will be. So open up and and just be intrigued with it. You know, um, all land is old land, but what makes the history of how old is it as far as people living on it? And England itself, you know, how many times has it been occupied? And look at the historical things that have been left behind with all the wonderful tales. And if we don't write it, we don't speak about it, we don't read about it, we'll lose it. And we don't want to lose that history. It's the building blocks of who we are today.
2: Mm.
1: Exactly.
0: So folks yeah. going out and get the book. So um, amazon.com, amazon.uk. Also, if you go to his site and go to the books, you'll see all of the books there too, which kind of lead to other um, things, have a little more explanation in them, et cetera. Have we got another book uh, planned?
1: I've got a book coming out probably later this year um it's with the publisher and they clearly like it because they've paid me the second half of my advance (laughs) and that is looking at witches, witches and sorcerers through history from ancient times biblical times through to the present day and looking at the different issues and how they've changed over time and what they've reported to have done so right. that's on un, on un, un, underway
0: oh good good you have to come back of, and share that one
1: i will do indeed as soon yeah. as i as soon as i've got a copy of it i say i'm i'm waiting for the proofs and things wonderful and, um, no that's that's right up, up my are.
0: street that's right up my street yeah. definitely yeah um and again you know which is it depends what center you're in you're either dunked or burnt at the stake or you considered revered and kings and things would have them as a, you know as their witch and the healers and yeah it's it's quite fascinating how you know through the centuries how they've gone up and down as good or evil you know yes. it depends on who they serve and what the time frame or what the church had to say right exactly. so very very interesting yeah so please yeah. come back and share that one i'd love to hear all about that really one
1: <laughs> yeah no that's- my, my pleasure.
0: So, folks, again, it's Urban Fantasist, F-A-N-T-A-S-I-S-T dot com. You can also find him um, on Twitter, um, which is under the same Urban Fantasist.
1: It is indeed, yep.
0: And, uh, and uh, please go to his site, Amazon will have his books in there, just put in his name, Charles Christian. And uh, please, you know, these are kind of books that you could read as a family, and then have a wonderful conversation about it and maybe even mm. send your kids, um, you know, down looking at other parts of history and opening up that world because, you know, history is just something they boringly do at school and they have no interest in it. So we need to inspire that interest in them yes. and, uh, and who knows what else we'll uncover because of it. So this is books are always a wonderful gift to give anybody at any time. And, uh, and to sit down and have a conversation about it afterwards is always very, very exciting. So don't forget to give somebody a book. Um, thank you so much, Charles. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. It's been a delight talking to you, Sarah.
0: Until next time, folks, do not think that it cannot be real. There's always a truth in everything. Until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Find all of our shows on selfdiscoverymedia.com under podcasts or selfdiscoverymedia/shows, and for all our current shows, go to What's New. We are supported by you, the audience. You'll see a nice big shiny blue button for one-time donations or follow us on Patreon and you will be able to support us there. We enjoy bringing you such wisdom. And the next show will be up in just a moment.